Welcome to the Theme Park Shuffle, where we redesign, reimagine, retheme your favorite theme park attractions, land, uh, you name it. We do it all on Theme Park Shuffle. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jeremy Stein, David King, and I am Logan Zawaki. And today, our challenge is the Tomorrowland Challenge. So the challenge is to retheme a total of six different attractions within Tomorrowland at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. The attraction each host must retheme will be randomly selected, but the original concept or IP they choose to use is completely up to them as long as they can support why it belongs in Tomorrowland. So prior to this podcast, I did a shuffle to determine which attraction each host was assigned. And for this episode, the results are Space Mountain goes to Jeremy. The Carousel of Progress goes to David. And the Tomorrowland Speedway goes to Logan. So the results for our next episode, episode 18, are... Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor goes to Jeremy. Stitches, Great Escape to David. And lastly, Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin goes to myself. So, Jeremy was the one who requested this particular challenge. So, (laughs) why don't you take us through your reasoning or your inspiration for this Tomorrowland shuffle? It needs it more than anything else (laughs) i mean (laughs) tomorrowland is just a shell of its former self i mean i know we're getting tron and i'm hoping that will you know d23 is coming up uh maybe we get some announcements of what they're going to do to just say tomorrowland speedway stitches great escape uh space ranger spin i think so i think most of this area could be overhauled and if it's going to fit you know the original tomorrowland was like what's happening 30 years in the future even if we take that step now and say what's happening 30 years from now and that's how they start to redesign it along Tron. What I don't even know what uh, year like Tron takes place in, but if they start to fit things around that, uh, I think it would just make it more complete land. I mean, look at every other land in Magic Kingdom. It is complete for the most part. Um, I mean, maybe we're going to, you know, mess up a little bit of the theming uh, over there in Adventureland with uh, the, the new Tiana ride because it doesn't exactly fit within the timeline, but I think it still fits within the theming, so... I just want to see Tomorrowland become what it should be, I guess, was my whole reasoning behind this. I mean, this is one going back five years of of podcasting about Disney on a couple different shows. Tomorrowland and what to do with it has probably come up more than anything. So now we're going to do something with it. Oh, boy. And and to to touch on your, your question about Tron. Yes. So the original movie was 1982. Mm hmm. That was from that time period with the arcade games yep. from that time period. And then the sequel came out in 2000, or sorry, the Legacy, Tron Legacy came out in 2010. And essentially they were trapped inside the arcade for 20 years. Okay. So if you think about the Tron light cycle itself, it exists <laughs> within a concept that was essentially created in the 80s so to call it tomorrowland is a little questionable in itself but 
again, it's ahead of its time in the sense where what it was and this idea that you are actually inside this virtual world, this environment that's completely created and exists within an arcade, like that's kind of a, a trippy meta kind of concept, if you will. For sure. Um, but yeah, as far as, again, Tomorrowland, I think video games in general are Tomorrowland. They, they touch on yeah. what is tomorrow, what is the future. Video games are the future. Yeah. So I think tying it to that in a lot of ways gives it that connection to what is the future. Yeah, for sure. And and even if I mean even if it even if they just said it in any time period as a complete land it would have been fine. If it had had the original idea and it had actually encapsulated even if it was saying all right in it was what well, in 1955 when they built Disneyland's they wanted it to be what 1985 would look like. If you still walked into Tomorrowland and it gave you the feel of this is what we thought 1985 would look like in 1955, I'd still be okay with it. But now it's just this hodgepodge of stuff and IPs and it's just all over the place. So I don't know if our ideas will all uh, come together as far as IPs and the way they connect, but hopefully kind of our rides and the ideas behind them and why we incorporated that IP will because you know it's going to involve IP. If they rehaul all of Tomorrowland, every last thing is getting an IP slapped on it. Uh, we pretty much guarantee that. So just make them make them feel cohesive, and I'd be cool with it. I find it weird that they. I mean, I understand why they did it because they have the ride over overseas. I, I just don't find Tron to be that iconic or that like. Do that many people really like Tron? I mean, is Tron something that they have so many other intellectual properties? Is Tron? something that's going to like stand the test of time in 20 years is that are you still going to be like oh my gosh tron remember that i feel like they they probably could have taken the same style coaster and found a better ip to use for it tron just is kind of meh yeah i i it's yeah it's weird because i think tron is a has a cult following which a lot of times you would not consider to be big enough to put in walt disney world um yeah but I mean, they built an entire land based around, you know, Avatar, and and I think that is more of a cult following as well, even though I know box office-wise it'll say differently, but the box office for that was so huge because it was the absolute first of its kind. Everybody didn't pay to go see it because they loved it. They paid to go see it because they were like, I want to see what's the future of movies and 3D and theaters and all of that. Um so they built an entire land out of that, and I think they did a wonderful job of making you care about the story. And I don't know what the pre-show. I like. I I'm the type that I won't watch the videos of of the other Tron, you know, out in Japan and all. I don't I don't want to see it. I want to be surprised at the one when I see it here. So I don't know what the pre-show, the story, how it sets it up is. If they do it anything like Flight of Passage, though, it might make me care about Tron. And I think maybe yeah. that's what they're banking on. But yeah, other than it looks futuristic. I kind of agree with you there. It would have been neat to see, even if it was a similar ride system, a much more popular IP that people connect with. Well, and I think I think you just nailed it when you said that really it comes down to the look. Uh, you know, the one out in, in Shanghai that has a look that is very futuristic, that is Tomorrowland, and so many, so many IPs have, have really ripped off the aesthetic of the original Tron and the look that they've managed to create and the design yeah. of it, creating this digital world ahead of its time 
and and what it was capable to do from a story and graphics standpoint. So to see that now translated in modern times, it also plays off of the nostalgia that is so high right now for everything 80s and futuristic. So it ties it all together. And really that that look, regardless if you know anything about Tron or not, the look oh, yeah. is what really sells you. And that look is futuristic. It yeah. feels like it belongs in Tomorrowland, even if you know nothing about the IP. Yeah. They could literally just call it Disney light cycles. And you'd be like, awesome, cool. Let's hop on. It doesn't <laughs> like the IP to me doesn't add anything to it other than it adds backstory, but they could have equally created that attraction without using Tron, but using that aesthetic. And it still would have been a success in, in that regard. That's a really good point. Yeah. And, and then yeah, they could set sure. everything else around it. They now, because now I think everybody's looking at it like, all right, how are we going to make everything else match Tron? Whereas, yeah, that way they could have said, how are we going to make everything else match this aesthetic and just the way that it looks? But I mean, I can't wait to see it like all lit up at night in person. Like, I think it's just going to be absolutely breathtaking or riding the people mover at night and you got fireworks off in the distance on one side and then you come around to Tron all lit up. I mean, it's going to be really cool. Now let's just fix the rest of the land so that it is also really cool. You know, it's just it's so it's just so all over the place. So um, do we want to start fixing it? Well, Speaking, well, yeah, of fixing that's the rest of the world. how do you like that? I want to hear what you guys came up with. All right, so we, we did shuffle the cards beforehand, and what was the selection that we got in the order that we are going, Logan? Which I think was the same as the last time we shuffled, which is so yes, fun. hilariously, it seems to almost always be consistent. And that is Jeremy will go first, David will go second, and I will go last. Perfect. All right, well, I'm going to start and just uh, a little bit of background real quick on Space Mountain. Uh, this opened in January of 1975. Uh, I, everybody knows Space Mountain. I mean, if you've been to Walt Disney World, chances are that you've ridden it. If you've been anywhere near Walt Disney World around the Magic Kingdom, you can see that iconic you know, shape and building from the outside. Uh, it has two track sides, Alpha and Omega. Uh, both of these uh, go to a height of 90 feet. They're, they're almost exactly the same. Uh, they have a 26-foot drop. Uh, Alpha is actually 10 feet longer than Omega, which I thought was just interesting. Um, and they only go, I know not everybody knows this, and they're surprised when they hear it, their top speed is 27 miles per hour, which is nothing really by coaster standards, but because of the fact that you're in the dark being jostled around so much is the entire reason that you think you're going so much faster. Um, I do not raise my hands on that. I duck. I'm guessing you might do the same thing, Logan, because if you've ever <laughs> seen this thing with the lights on, it is terrifying. I mean, it looks... Like what? What were the um, uh, the metal sets that you used to put together? That's what it looks like. It's made out of. Like it is so weird. So I am going to retheme this with uh, one of my favorite Disney movies ever. I think it's one of the most underrated movies of all time, and that is Meet the Robinsons. So Meet the Robinsons came out in 2007. If you have not seen this movie, I highly suggest you go to Disney Plus. It is on there. Watch it. Um, it is about Lewis, who's a brilliant inventor who meets a mysterious stranger named Wilbur Robinson, uh, whisking Lewis away in a time machine, and together they team up to track down Bowler Hat Guy in a sh showdown that ends with an unexpected twist of fate. There are a lot of great twists in here. Uh, just a little bit of more background, and because you're going to see why it wraps into Tomorrowland. 
So Walt Disney Feature Animation uh, wanted to assert themselves as being separate from Pixar. So they renamed themselves Walt Disney Animation Studios. And this is actually the first film to show the new Walt Disney Animation Studios animated logo that incorporates several se uh, seconds from Steamboat Willie, which is from 1928. Of course, that's the first Mickey Mouse cartoon to feature sound. So in the movie, Wilbur travels from 2007 to 2037. Actually, he tra travels back from 2037 to see Lewis in 2007, and that's a 30-year gap. This could be a reference to Tomorrowland at Disneyland, which was originally the idea of what 1985 would look like from the perspective of 1955 when the park originally opened. There's also a reference in the film on a sign that says Todayland when Wilbur first arrives to the future. Uh, on a similar note, another Disney film, Tomorrowland, which came out in 2015, was released exactly 30 years after when the Tomorrowland in Disneyland was supposed to be set. So they do very much tie together. I still think a lot of times, again, as uh, Tomorrowland being based on the future, on what's potentially to come, uh, space travel. I mean, here we are in Space Mountain, and Meet the Robinsons really covers all of this. Have, have you guys seen the movie? No? Neither one of you. Okay. Then this might not make as much sense to you. I've just, seen, I, the, I've just seen the clip with the... I've just seen the clip with the tiny arms and big yes. head things. I mean, yeah, that's why one of the best you ever. See, yeah, that's all I've ever seen. All right, so I can't I can't tell you too much about the original because it will spoil it, and this might spoil a little bit of pieces, but I think overall um, it should be okay. So this is going to be called now "Keep Moving Forward." That is a main phrase within the entire premise of what this movie's about. So this is going to take place basically between the two timelines in the movie. Um, so Cornelius, who is the main character, he's now about 27. Uh, he's in the middle of converting the acquired Inventco Labs into Robinson Industries inside of an old building, building in the rundown area of town. So we've got this old, cool-looking building that used to be part of this futuristic kind of modern world in 20, you know, 2030s or so. Uh, it's run down. He's going to take it over and build his new lab and his whole new company and all. So we're basically visiting almost like students to see the progress and learn about the new inventions he's working on and then sit in as he explains in a panel his plans for the city's future and to rebuild this entire city. So as you enter the queue, which right now is very dark, there's not a lot going on as you come all the way winding through this you know, Space Mountain queue. Uh, it's going to be much more lit up, bright. Each side is designed as newly constructed lab area. Um, it's not completely finished, but you will notice some of inventions you might recognize from the movie. Uh, some of them you can actually interact with, the way that you used to be able to interact inside a Seven Dwarves Mine Train. So you're going to give something to do as you're in there. Certainly it'll work with the Disney Play app. Um, but there's also still tarps covering other inventions that aren't completed. There's boxes stacked up. And you might even notice one of Cornelius's inventions that you thought was extinct as it follows you along your path and you continue to see it all the way later. I'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, throughout as well, there's some old time TVs that are sitting around and these are playing news clips that are basically like showing the rise of Cornelius and as he's creating Robinson Industries and claiming he's going to rebuild the city. So it's really telling you that story of where he came from as a child, as Lewis, and kind of growing up and all. Um, so we finally come into the main queue, this big, low, large open queue where you're going to go to one of two sides. And 
this is uh, the finalized portion of his lab. So this will look very much straight out of the movie. Um, you know, you have those taller ceilings. There's just going to be inventions everywhere, workspaces all around as you go through the queue, everything like that. And then now that you have the two-sided queue, Right now, in between them, you can look at the other queue. There's nothing there. This is going to be replaced with like a layered screen, which is going to basically show Cornelius working at his workshop. And there's a sudden flash, and Wilbur shows up again from 2037. He tells you to load into the time machine. There's no time to spare. He'll explain more on their way or on your way, but he needs your help. So, as you enter the time machine vehicle, you're asked to put on your safety goggles. This is going to turn into a VR roller coaster. So I didn't, I didn't, my original thought was almost just go straight cosmic rewind, you know, have the screen starting to interact throughout and spin. And I was like, well, let's not do that. Let's not just tear the thing to the ground and rebuild it as something else. I think this can actually work as like a time machine going through, but now we can put on a VR he headset to see everything. So if you don't want to do a VR headset, just say you don't want to wear it and you're just riding Space Mountain. So for all the old school purists out there who don't want their beloved Space Mountain ruined, you can still ride Space Mountain. It's going to have the stars, the little pew-pews and stuff. Um, so you're not the glasses are on, but they're not turned on, so you can see through them. And you're going to first, of course, go through that iconic Space Mountain flashing tunnel. So you'll still get that ode to the original. And that's your portal, basically, as it's taking your time machine into the future. Now, as you exit the tunnel, and during the incline is when the glasses turn on, and you find yourself in the driver's seat next to Wilbur flying through the air. He tells you that Cornelius is back in the lab working to see where things went wrong. But Doris, who was the evil mind-controlling uh, mind bowler hat from the original film, had planted an unknown prototype that had been recently activated when our group showed up to Robinson Industries. So that was basically us in the queue messing around with inventions, and we reactivated this bowler hat. And just a little background, these hats basically go on your head and they control you and kind of make you do what they want to do. So that's kind of what happened in the original movie. So the new hat named Barry had traveled to just before the events of 2037 to seek revenge on the Robinson family for destroying Doris and all her clones. So this is just going to be spoiled for you guys, but it's still an awesome movie. So Wilbur explains Barry has built an army of clones that are overtaking the city and only we can save it. At that moment, you're coming down the drop and into the city as the coaster swerves and turns. The glasses show you bowler hats flying all around, no matter which way you look, the city kind of burning below you. Wilbur tells you to just worry about flying as he mans the lasers and starts blasting down all of the hats. This is the part where, I mean, you're, just, you're going through the coaster, you're going to be flying through the city, you're going to be flying through abandoned buildings, you're basically chasing down the hats until you get to kind of the finale as things start to slow down. And there is the one final Barry bowler hat that you will blast off and destroy, and Wilbur's controlling everything so you know that you're going to basically win um, we're not going to have an element of gameplay or anything but we certainly could if we wanted to so as the ride completes you've destroyed them all changing the future back and you end up back in the time warp coming out to your present day as you're exiting the ride you're back in the lab which exits into the robinson mansion and as you move along the moving walkway right now where they have like the ode to horizon and you know those different scene sections uh, you'll see the Robinson family of crazy characters as they're all standing there clapping these could be animatronics or we could do those kind of layered screens uh, to greet you and thank you for saving the city and there might even be a singing frog chorus singing keep moving forward which will become a brand new iconic theme song for Disney parks and they're singing that just for you 
So that probably made zero sense to you guys since you have not seen the movie. It, I didn't understand a lot of the references, but it still sounds like it would be a, a lot of fun to ride. Yeah, still an improvement as far as story, adding story and more excitement to Space Mountain. Um, now, one thing I do want to clarify is you said VR, but if it's VR, I'm probably you using the wrong. Okay. okay. Then yeah, I mean, whatever technology, or that doesn't even so have to be is, a part is of it. it. Gonna, is it so? So these would be glasses that you would see through, and there would be no. Um, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a virtual reality see, headset. Yeah, an actual virtual cool? reality headset, like an. Okay, Oculus. so in other words, you can't see out at all. It's just what once you put it on, which they've done before. It's it's happened. Yeah. Many parks have done that, that VR works. coaster experience. Yep, okay. that, that's what I was referencing when I was saying VR. But then I know I got it confusing with the tunnel. But then it, you could just not worry about the. My thought was, unless they were on top of your head and you're trusting people to put them down after the tunnel. The only thing with the tunnel, in my thought, was keeping that ode to the original Space Mountain, and it does fit as though you were going through a time portal, but you could certainly not worry about that, and that's just a VR portion as well, showing you know a warp tunnel as you're going through it. That'd be, that'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, if you were to do the VR, that is something that literally they'd have to put on in the load station yeah. and make sure it's secure and make sure it's clean and all that stuff. Oh, it's yeah. A, the VR... Added to coasters is pretty much that that fad has gone away only because operationally it's sucky. It's so it is so much work. Yeah. Because I mean, you it it ruins your throughput because you have all that time spent cleaning. Everybody has to get it on their head. It has to be just right. Uh, other technical issues that were found is people would lose connection. So uh, then you're yeah. in the middle of a coaster and all of a sudden it goes black. That happened to me. I remember being oh, on a really? coaster and then it just, I just lost it. It just lost connection. So then I rode half of the coaster blind. Oh gosh. I would throw no. up so much. Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that really, really messed up the experience for me. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I love the idea of, of having some kind of digital element I just I look forward to the day when you can have some kind of lightweight, easy to wear, easy to use, easy to clean VR, AR, yeah. MR uh, headset of some kind that um, that you can guarantee will securely stay on people's heads and stay connected throughout the entire experience. Because in in concept, it is fantastic. And it really can transform a coaster. Um, I think the, one of the problems that kept happening, though, is VR was getting added to a bunch of old coasters that aren't necessarily the best coasters. So it was like trying to take old rough coasters and give them a whole new appeal, and which from a marketing standpoint works. But when you put people on an uncomfortable old coaster and then give them VR. It doesn't make the experience that much better. It, it in a lot of ways made it worse. Yeah. So it was, that was like a, a fine line there. And Space Mountain is a classic example of an old rough coaster. Oh yeah. Especially for a tall person like me, Space Mountain is torture. <laughs> it's I, I, I still like it and I will ride it when my son wants to ride it, but otherwise, 
it is off my list. And in fact, <laughs> they have the same version in Hong Kong Disneyland. I actually wasn't allowed to ride it in Hong Kong Disneyland because it's it's I was too tall. Oh wow! So I almost feel like they need to <laughs> deny me here in the states as well, just be, just for my own just safety your own and benefit. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Oh man. Well, we'll be we'll pretend that the new uh, VR technology is out and Go. they put in smoother <laughs> coasters. Now the the current VR stuff though it also is hardwired in directly into the seats. Or does it work off of some sort of like Wi-Fi based or Bluetooth something, or does it vary? Well, exactly, and that's the that's the problem with the the disconnection. Now that is, it's basically you've got you would put the VR headset on, and it had the cord that goes back into your seat, uh, so you are connected. Gotcha. Like the headset is connected to the coaster, uh, but that's where a lot of the the miscommunications or disconnections come from. Why you're losing connection. Uh, throughout a ride so and there's just too many headsets and they're getting rattled around it's not like the ideal vr <laughs> experience <laughs> simply because there's just too much going on right it's not like putting people in you know a 10 by 10 square and saying stay right here and shoot and right. just rotate around in a circle like so many of the vr experiences you see at uh family entertainment centers it's, it's nothing like that oh yeah for sure all right, David, you're up. All I think right. I, I, think I right, saw him David, finishing David. his while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I I finished it right before we jumped on. We were proud of it. It was uh, it was a photo finish to say the least. <laughs> um, before before I start, uh, we would we would be remiss if we didn't thank Brian Oakley for oh yeah pinching yes. on on the last theme park shuffle. That was fun. Um, he did a great job. I listened to the show. I thought it was wonderful. And uh, I can't thank him enough for that one month of breathing room was was wonderful and couldn't have done it without Brian. And thank you so much, Brian, for stepping up. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Man, Brian. Brian. Thank you. So I, I found this one a little challenging for a couple of reasons. Um, one, if you are a fan of Theme Park Shuffle, you know that I have already had to use the carousel of progress and uh, I turned it into a rotating decade traveling uh, debauchery filled bar trip. Yes. And um, so, uh, you know, by getting it again, I was, I was trying to not do the same sort of thing, but to also, I, I didn't want to completely just bulldoze it and be like, all right, well, where the carousel of progress used to stand, um, is this thing now, but if you've listened to me in the past, you know, my deep love and affection for the brand new Mickey mouse shorts that are out on Disney plus. Um, and if you're familiar with them, episode two of a wonderful world of Mickey mouse, there is an episode called the house of tomorrow. And I always look for the one thing that I can connect to my IP and to my attraction. And it's very obvious in this one as the house of tomorrow sings the very well known, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. So what I am going to do with the carousel of progress is that it's going to be turned into Dr. Von Drake's house of tomorrow. Nice. So we are going to, I'm going to do uh, basically since there's a non-existent queue now, I'm going to have a queue built for the carousel of progress 
And as you enter it, you're welcomed by a video of Professor Von Drake welcoming you to his Hall of Science. And in the distance, in one of the screens, you see his latest, greatest invention, the House of Tomorrow. While you're seeing this, Dr. Von Drake explains to you that it has patented artificial intelligence that can cater to your every want and need. Now, as you enter the house, you're going to be seated just like the carousel of progress. I am going to keep the mechanism of the spin, but just update it into like a more modern, modern uh, ride system, if you will. So as you are seated into the carousel, the tour begins. Multiple screens show the voice of the house welcoming you, stating that I am the artificial intelligence of the house. And all this time, you hear a really familiar instrumental playing in the background. It's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. The house states that they can analyze your needs and that there are already guests who have started ahead of us. You spin around to the first room, and it's the house's bathroom. Here, you see a full animatronic of Mickey Mouse. His teeth are being brushed. His hair is being brushed. And he is being pampered as the house takes care of his every want and need. The house explains there's nothing that the artificial intelligence and the house cannot handle for you. The attraction spins again, and you're now taken to the house's relaxation module. Keep in mind, when it spins, it's going to be just like the carousel progress. You'll stop in front of a brand new uh, scene, if you will. Here, there's going to be a full animatronic of Donald laying on a massage table as many different arms come from all over the place, relaxing Donald with a massage. There'll be a large movie screen in the background where there'll be a beach scene to help you relax as you are wistfully massaged by the house. The attraction is going to spin again as the house explains. The house is explained in the art of shiatsu and will get all of the knots out. So the house spins again and now you are in the house's kitchen. A very happy Goofy is being made multiple bologna sandwiches. The house explains it has the capabilities of hundreds of five-star chefs. Any meal you require, it can take care of. Finally, the house spins again to the library where there are shelves of the book versions of many Disney animated movies. The house explains no need to read. The house has all of the books in its memory. And anyway, all of the hero's parents die. Is what the house explains to you. <laughs> so the house spins again and this time the lights go out and you're in pitch black the house explains please stay still it's time for us to analyze your needs and a red beam passes up and down the crowd that you're seated next to analyzing the house says analyzing the house says all of a sudden the room begins to shake and the house states too many needs too many needs sounds are going off things are shaking I'm going to have some smoke special effects. At this point, the mechanism spins you rapidly back to where Donald is being massaged, except this time it's very aggressive and there are many, many hands uh, hitting Donald and massaging him too hard, causing him to get angry. The house spins rapidly back to the kitchen as the artificial intelligence laughs creepily and sings, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Goofy is being fed hundreds of bologna sandwiches as Mickey yells, we have to stop the house. The house continues to spin and just keeps spinning. You don't stop at any specific location or attraction. As the house spins, Mickey yells, everyone think of needs. The AI starts analyzing too many needs, too many needs, flashing lights, red lights, smoke, and the spinning stops. 
You are back at the beginning of your ride with an animatronic Mickey thanking you for all of the help. He states that he'll see you real soon. And please don't tell Dr. Von Drake. As you get up to leave, you hear Mickey, Donald, and Goofy happily singing a wonderful version of There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow as you exit the ride to a gift shop with awesome, awesome, because there's not enough of this if you ask me, awesome uh, merchandise from the brand new Disney shorts with the wonderful artwork that they use for those. And you carry on your day in Tomorrowland. That, that, the end. That, that, that turned quick. I didn't see it going that direction at the end. I like, Did you see the cartoon? Yeah, I, I know, but I just wasn't thinking of like pulling that off within the, because I, I love the new Mickey shorts and the new cartoons, and I've seen most all of them. I know of the first couple seasons, but I just wasn't even thinking like, let's take it into that aspect. But I, it obviously fits to absolute perfection with not only what the Carousel of Progress you know currently is and was, but with what Tomorrowland could be in the future. Um, I love Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I love that it's happy-go-lucky and then hectic, and it's, you know, I love the use of everything they've done in there. It's just so much fun. It just makes me smile uh, every time I ride it, and this sounds like it would borrow perfectly from that. There's definitely not enough, yeah, Mickey attractions in general, especially from that, you know, kind of, I guess, this more modern time. Um, I Yeah, I think it's genius. And you just do such a good job of the storytelling of it to truly walk people through each room and what's happening and what's being said. So yeah, bravo on that one. I did not see any of that coming and I love it. Thank you. Yeah, that was a really good reinterpretation of the short into a full rotating room experience. So it, the, the breakdown played really well with each one of the different scenes. And, and especially if, if it was given the same kind of, uh, love and attention that the queue at um, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind does yeah. to the origins of the original attractions that were there at Epcot. Uh, yeah. If it does that kind of same thing with showing all the love for the history of Carousel of Progress and putting in all these Easter eggs, yeah, I think it would just be a, a huge hit. And, and like both of you guys have said, getting more of that Mickey Mouse style into the park is seems like a win-win. And again, it, it makes sense with Carousel of Progress, Tomorrowland, keeping that connection and bringing in the, the proper IP. I thought it would be nice to also add an aspect of it being thrilling, like with it yeah. continuing to spin, maybe picking up the pace. That'd probably be an easy fix or an easy ride system for them to make. You know what I mean? Like it'd be something that would be doable. And I thought if you added an, an aspect of thrill to it, it might be more rewritable than just a slow moving all of the time sort of thing. And, you know, it really is sad when you look Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway in Hollywood Studios, notwithstanding, there's zero Mickey. I mean, you know, there's meet and greets and there's merchandise, but man, I, I don't understand why they don't put some kind of Mickey attraction in every single part. Like, it's what the whole thing is about. And you, know, you look at like Animal Kingdom, they used to have the whole tune section. That, right. You know, that got taken out. Same with Magic Kingdom. When yep. we had the little yep. tune town there. Yep. And then exactly. I mean and then shoot. Phil Her Magic just gets completely taken over by Donald. So it's not even about Mickey. And it's supposed <laughs> to be like that's Man, that is oh, so good. Phil Her Magic is I love gold. It. Have you seen it with the oh. new Coco scene? Yes. Oh, love that it. is breathtaking. 
Let's just keep adding more scenes. That, that thing is going to end up being like a 40 minute long movie. And I will be okay with that. Just I, all I the greatest too. hits in one, you know, 40 theater experience. Yes, please. For sure. As long as they keep the air conditioning going in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. Months like this, you're, you're going to go sit in it every time for 40 minutes with no complaints. I definitely would. Well, awesome. As always, David, always bringing stuff out of left field, which I think is just so cool. Uh, batting cleanup again. Mr. Logan, super excited to hear what you're going to do with Tomorrowland Speedway. Um, this is, yeah, I'm have at it, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you're excited. I'm still torn. <laughs> I'm literally, I've got, I've got an idea written down that I'm looking at right now that I'm on the fence about. Okay. And then I have an idea in my head that I've been working on since yesterday afternoon that I think tech, like truthfully I'm more excited about, but maybe what I'll do is I'll do this one. And then if, uh, if we still got a little bit of time, I can go ahead and run through my second one. Cause the reality is the, the, the second concept I've got is one that won't work okay. on any other attraction. Like it gotcha. needs to be this particular attraction. Yeah. Um, so okay. So I'll just, I'll just jump right in. I'm going with what I wrote. So before I go into this redesign of Tomorrowland Speedway, I do want to acknowledge a couple of key things that determined the decision I'm about to tell you. So uh, first, originally I had always planned on doing a Wreck-It Ralph Sugar Rush re-theme of this attraction, if ever given the opportunity. But... I simply didn't because of my test track retheme using that exact same IP on episode nine of Theme Park Shuffle. And quite frankly, the test track version is so much better than, than whatever I would have done for Tomorrowland Speedway. So that's first thing. Second, I wasn't going to use an IP at all. But all that changed after I saw the Main Street Magic Facebook community post that Jason Polyamus created on July 9th, asking which ride would you like to see updated, followed by the 122 votes requesting that Tomorrowland Speedways get updated using cars. After seeing that, I decided to pivot and incorporate cars into my re-theme. So a big thank you to Jason and the MSM community for your help with this one. Without further ado, Lightning McQueen and Cruz Ramirez welcome you to the new and improved Tomorrowland Speedway. Immediately, guests will notice that this is no longer an outdoor attraction. The entire track is covered with a biodome that complements the exterior canopy of the neighboring Tron light cycle roller coaster, as well as the unique architecture of Space Mountain. As guests enter the queue, video monitors show lightning and crews as they explain how Tomorrowland Speedway is a first of its kind speedway added to the Piston Cup racing season. What makes this track unique is the focus on sustainability and climate technology. So Cruz informs us how the old gas-powered sports cars have been replaced with next-gen electric race cars. In fact, the entire speedway is energized 
by a combination of solar panels, wind turbines, hydropower, block power, and carbon dioxide power. The exterior appearances of the race cars are inspired by the look of Jackson Storm and the other next-gen racers found in the movie Cars 3. The loud sounds of the gas engines are replaced with a combination of in-car music and commentary by various members of Lightning and Cruz's pit crew. The predominant smell of exhaust fumes is completely gone. And now guests experience a wide array of scents as they travel along different parts of the track. One thing that will not change is this attraction's commitment to young guests. It retains a maximum speed of seven miles per hour, the ability to turn your vehicle left and right along a rail, and bumpers on every race car for those occasional accidents, both intentional and unintentional. Because the entire attraction is part of a biodome, the sides of the track are far more exciting to look at compared to the original version. In fact, the track is divided into four unique ecosystems inspired by the design of the Montreal biodome. So after driving out of the pit zone, guests enter a replica of the South American rainforest full of tropical vegetation. Then travel by dense forests and waterfalls in the North American wilderness. Next, make their way to the Gulf shores of an estuary habitat before finally visiting an Arctic subpolar region full of rocky cliffs and walls of ice. As previously mentioned, the sections will have their own aromas as well as additional special effects such as fog mist, cold air, wind effects, etc. And to make the experience even more cars themed, each of the different ecosystems are home to some of the most interesting combinations of animals with cars. So both kids and adults will want to have their cameras ready to capture photographs of rare animals as they've never been seen before. Lastly, once the sun goes down, the vehicles light up like the Tron light cycles to create a synchronicity with that attraction. And since the speedway is contained within a glass biodome, without sunlight to predominantly light the attraction, it takes on a completely different appearance at night as each unique ecosystem is accentuated with a wide range of energy efficient lights. So in the end, this version of Tomorrowland Speedway could have been redesigned using common themes from science fiction like flying cars or time travel, but instead I wanted to focus on an attraction that used sustainable energy to power everything within the attraction while also focusing on biodiversity and incorporating a really fun IP. The end. Nice. That's awesome. You know, you know, all I was picturing was like, soaring on wheels when you were talking about the smells and and the feel of wind and and uh changing you know biodiversity as you're going from scene to scene i was like oh my gosh it it feels like soaring but actually moving and the futuristic especially jackson storm because um my daughter was a gigantic cars 3 fan we watched it probably every day for a long time he looks like he's got that glow and that like bioluminescence so not bioluminescence because he's a car, right? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
but uh, that luminescence and yeah, man, that would fit. You could make it tie so perfectly into that side of, of Tomorrowland with the lights almost in sync and talking to each other. I think it'd be beautiful. Yeah. It'd be wonderful. It sounds like so much fun. Well, and, and you, you took something too that I think at least from my mind, cause you guys know I'm not a huge cars fan. Um, so I don't know all the little ins and outs of them all, but you took an IP that I would have never expected to come out of your mouth and fit it perfectly into the land. And you told a story around it, which is one of the things that everybody was complaining about with Cosmic Rewind coming. And then I think they did such an incredible job of making Cosmic Rewind fit within Epcot. Like it's, you know, like we were talking about earlier with them mentioning, you know, past rides at Epcot and that Peter Quill used to love visiting there as a kid. And now they basically were bringing, you know, all of this to you and Xandar to show you this museum and, and it fits so perfectly and you fit that perfectly, um, especially down to the architecture, which is the biggest thing, you know, is now wrapping that into the way Tron looks and the iconic, you know, outline of Space Mountain, uh, keeping it family friendly, especially at Magic Kingdom is super important. You know, so, yeah, as much as and I know this would be a much smoother ride, but as much as every time I've gotten in Tomorrowland Speedway, there's part of you that hates jerking back and forth. And then there's the other part of you that <laughs> loves it more than anything, just like watching your kid light up because they think it's hilarious. And so I love that you didn't take that away. Um, you added an interactive element where you're like, hey, get your cameras out. You know, you're going to see these rare animals and you're going to want to take photos. So you've added this whole other thing there. And then. I love when Disney creates rides or lands or any theme park does that is completely different at night. You know, I like just a land like Pandora or even Toy Story Land, you know, I mean, even down to riding Slinky Dog is a completely different experience at night when everything is lit up around you. And it really looks like this child's play set and it's got the Christmas lights, you know, strung up. And so the fact that you're creating something, too, where. You could ride it in the day and then be like, oh, sun's getting ready to set. I want to go ride that again because I'm going to have a completely different experience. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's super impressive how well you made that IP fit in Tomorrowland. So, bravo, sir. Wow. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you. I was so on the fence with this one. I was like, oh, I feel like it's too much in one. And I, I was afraid it would be too much of a comparison to living with the land. <laughs> it was like, man, this almost feels like it belongs more in Epcot. Um, but one thing I did want to add is as far as the focus on, you know, just sort of sustainability and uh, climate control and all these sort of important aspects, part of that was inspired again, thinking about, Tomorrowland, thinking about our future, thinking yeah. about saving the planet, but also if you ever watched the movie Tomorrowland, did either one of you guys see that movie? I've seen it once. I, once it like once it came out because what we say it came out in 2015, so I probably saw it in 2016 when it came out. I remember us we sat out on our back porch and watched it as a family one Sunday afternoon, and I remember we actually enjoyed it, but I don't remember a ton about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were surprised by it because I think it got like some bad press and some bad reviews. But I remember us really. Yeah, and I, I think it was. Uh, it, the, I think the message, like the final message, uh, some people felt it was too woke. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, it just talks about making a change, making a difference, protecting the future, protecting the environment, doing your part. Every little change can make a big difference, and so. Um, that was something that 
just thinking about this perfect Tomorrowland that is in the movie and they talk about all these different things that they do and these creative innovations that are taking place. And so even just all the innovations that are taking place right now with, with power and different ways that, uh, you know, when we reach that point where we truly can take carbon dioxide and be able to turn that into power. So any of the carbon dioxide we're creating, we can then turn around and, and actually use that, reuse that essentially. So all these kinds of different technologies and innovations that are taking place in the world of, uh, of, of power and sustainable energy is just really cool. And it would be neat to have some kind of attraction that, that kind of focused on that and shed a little light without making it again, just too, too in your face and to make you feel like you're not doing enough. Cause again, <laughs> If you make people feel like they're not doing enough, then you've deterred them from doing even the smallest thing. Yeah. You mean like awesome planet? Like awesome planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, agree. And even I love, <laughs> I love living with the land, but it can almost at sometimes feel a little aggressive as well. So yeah, I think taking something that's really fun where it's almost planting that seed in the back of your head where it's not so in your face, but maybe you do get off and you're like, huh, you know, you start to just think a little bit is yeah the perfect way to do it um just no more awesome planet we need we need david's <laughs> pull off one in there it'd be perfect <laughs> the dinosaurs are dead <laughs> well yeah, well okay true. that was awesome but you have to share your other idea now like definitely oh man we definitely okay have time well for that tell you what i won't here. go into like the super deep dive okay. but this is just gonna basically <laughs> sound like a giant commercial okay um because I don't know if you guys have seen or had a chance to play the beta version of Disney Speedstorm. No. That racing game is OMG. Holy cow. I am a hardcore Mario Kart fanatic and lover, but. What's it called? Speedstorm? Disney Speedstorm. It's their new racing game. It's essentially the Disney version of Mario Kart. And that is like, from a passion standpoint, what I, what am I passionate about? I feel like the, the cars was for all the main street magic fans. So that's for you guys. Love y'all. But this one is for me. So Tomorrowland Speedway (laughs) is now called being called Tomorrowland Speed Storm. And this is going to be a completely gamified version of Tomorrowland Speedway. Nice. So each one of the vehicles are going to be rethemed to look like some of the different vehicles that are available to drive from the different characters in the game. And again, these are all Disney characters. So you could be either driving uh, Mickey's semi um, Volkswagen bug, or you might be driving um, Meg's hot rod from Hercules. So there's just a wide variety of these different uh, vehicles and racers. So this is going to be combined with an app. So you already got your Disney app. You can create your own profile. You can create your own racer. You can have your character. And each time you ride, this is where the key is. As you know, you're on a rail system. You don't really have control. You can only go left a little and you can only go right a little. Here's where we're going to up the ante. The vehicles are going to be redone 
in such a way that they have these sensors on the outer bumpers. And so on the ground, there's going to be different things that you can collect if you turn left, if you turn right. So the goal here is if you're the driver, you're trying to collect as many of these th items that are on the track. And what's cool is depending on which side of the track, whether it's, is it three or four rows four. of tracks? I think it's four. Because you have four. that median one. in between each one for loads on both sides. There yeah. you go. So, so all four will have a different setup. So it's not just the same turn left, pick up three, turn right, pick up four. It's not going to be like Pac-Man where, you know, you, once you memorize it, right. you're all set. Here it'll actually be where each one of them is slightly different. So it's got a different challenge level to it. It's also got different bonuses to it. So you may pick up one of their diamond boxes. They're like the little diamonds instead of the question blocks from Mario Kart. So if you get one of these diamonds, you're going to then get a power up. And so there's different ways that you can gain points, unlock things within the game, which then allow you to customize your character. You can choose from and unlock different Disney characters, just like you can in the Disney Speedstorm game. But just like my cars re-theme, where you've got essentially these different areas, we're going to do something similar here, where there's going to be two lands within the track. So it'll still be kind of broken up into four lands, tracks, if you will. But two of them are going to be practical. So they will always stay the same. And so uh, one of them will be a Tomorrowland design, specifically based off of the look of Tomorrowland from the movie Tomorrowland. So again, it'll blend in very well with everything around it. And it'll be a unique track that's not even in the game right now. And then you'll have another one that is sort of the intro land that you first go into. And that's essentially the Disney Toon Village. And so this one already kind of looks like the Tomorrowland Speedway in the video game. So if you, I'm telling you, you've got to go, go on YouTube, start watching some of these great videos okay. from Disney Speedstorm. The game is hella fun and super interactive. There's just all these different power-ups. And what's really cool too is there's a lot of defensive techniques in this one that um, make it a little more fun, in my opinion, than strictly always having uh, projectiles or always having offensive power-ups. It's nice to have some defensive power-ups as yeah. well. But yeah, so this, is, this would have it to where you've got the two practical sections, but then the other two sections, these are LED tunnels. These tunnels are just like, you know, when I was... Uh, when I did sort of the retheme of the danger room where we, we were using the wall technology that they are using for the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. this would essentially be a full, full tunnel, all led panels. So this, there would be two of these, these two massive tunnels where these sections could be updated. You could do it either, you know, for special events. So you could have Halloween, make it maybe pirates coast so it's going to be your whole pirates of the caribbean theme to tie in nicely or make a nightmare before christmas themed land like you've got all these different things you could do for both holiday overlays or just introducing new movies new characters new properties you could do 
something to tie in with the new Strange Worlds movie that's going to be coming out. So there's all these ways that you can just update the media. And because the these environments themselves are not interactive, it saves you on your costs because then you can actually make it to where these are just beautifully done movie quality, non-interactive environments that still do a lot of stuff. There's going to be tons of action going on. You're going to see these animated environments, but really the gamification all comes down to what you're able to do by controlling your vehicle. And here's the other thing, the passenger now actually can do something. So the passenger, there's a driver and a passenger and the passenger is the one that has power-ups are being collected. Okay. You can actually choose what nearby vehicle you want to hijack. That's cool. So you can actually choose whether you want to go to the lane to the left or to the right, whichever one it may be, and you can then use your power-up to stop them. So then they their vehicle suddenly breaks for even if it's just for, you know, 2 seconds, whatever it may be it's still giving you that little element of uh, control and a little bit of agency where you are actually making a difference and you're having some fun within the environment. And again, giving both the driver and the passenger something to do, which I really enjoy. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I got I'm going to go look this game up after um, I was just oh, looking, I was at, looking it at it real it. quick. I'll have to end up getting it for the Nintendo switch. This just says it comes out later this year. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah so they've been doing amazing. the beta testing now okay. on uh, PC and Steam. And uh, so now they got it to where they've started making all the announcements on which platforms it's coming out on. And yeah, it's going to be awesome. That's absolutely that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love anything that has a gamification to it and, and one that you can control I, I don't like a, a you know space ranger spin gamification i like a midway mania gamification um so something that you feel like you actually have control over uh, i think is really really cool and i think we need more of that inside of theme parks you know for rewritability i mean I, I would i'd rather space ranger spin just be a regular like omni mover style ride through you know, a cool Buzz Lightyear and Zerg land. I don't want to mess with the hassle of shooting those lasers when I don't know where they're going. <laughs> but if you, when you can actually combine an awesome ride system like that with gamification, and now you're getting other players involved, like you can actually kind of maybe control what's happening with them, I think would be so cool. Like I, I know, like in a Midway Mania, technically, you know, we could both be going for the five thousand alien point, and I could take it from you. But it'd be neat if there are other things I could do to like sabotage you. You know, I like I kind of am looking. I'm like, our scores are really close. I need more than a five thousand alien, but hey, here's something else over here. Um, so yeah, putting that in a system like this sounds cool. So yeah, I'll definitely start looking up some YouTube videos on that game because yeah, I love Mario Kart as well. So this and, this and you know, cool. and what's what's really cool too is like this kind of interactivity and gameplay already exists in the world of uh, go karts, yeah, and bumper cars, yeah, like, no joke. There's they're already doing all of these these cool interactive wow. technologies with tracking systems and everything. So you've got this this recreation of a Mario Kart style racing experience that can exist 
again, like I said, in, in just go-karts and bumper cars. So there's really no reason why this couldn't be done. And the reality is the vehicles move so slow already. Yeah. You're not going to have like a huge toll on your throughput. Um, but the reality is it will become more popular. And that's the, that's where the problem is. They're part of the reason why they're never really going to do anything to Tomorrowland Speedway is because it can't handle high capacity. Yeah. So therefore you don't want to make it popular. You want to keep it to a younger audience and, and that's it. Like if you make it to where it's something really cool that everybody, teenagers and adults really want to ride, even if they don't have kids, then you're screwed. And so they know exactly. that. And that's part of the reason why the Tomorrowland Speedway stays the way it is. Yeah. And you still have just enough people riding it and it's just kind of popular enough. I mean, look at the same thing with Grand Fiesta Tour. You don't think yeah, Disney's exactly. thought about putting a cocoa overlay? Of course they have. But yeah, where are they going to put the people? Said, yeah. Yeah, they're not, yeah, not going to be able to do the throughput. And where's your cue? Exactly, <laughs> right where's there your alone, cue? you're just done. So yeah, you're right. It's 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 too bad it is that way, but it's totally understandable that it is that way. So yeah, I, they're like, do they're we want to get rid stuff. of? Uh, do we want to get rid of San Angel Inn and Restaurant, or I do know. we want to, you know, keep it the way it is? I know <laughs> that's I, that's basically what they'd have to do to yeah. make room for that cue. Yep, and yeah, and then and then speed the boats up as well right i mean just to get people that's already through. such a short attraction i, I can't know. imagine them You'd be speeding like that up that was, and like especially if you half. added coco people would want to enjoy oh, yeah. that like yeah. all those great songs and environments you'd want to go slow through that yeah well that's i'm pretty sure that navi river journey i don't know if it's just a rumor i'm sure it's out there somewhere that they did slow it down after the initial times because it just it was the shortest ride ever and then I remember going another time and I'm yeah. like, this feels like it's taking longer, but I've never like timed it. I'm sure somebody has. I'll have to... That would be great because, I mean, I've never gone back on it because I'm not going to wait more than 20 minutes to ride such a short ride. Yeah. Like, nope. If, you know, and it's always it seems like it's always an hour wait. Yeah. Every time I've gone to Animal Kingdom, it's, it's just a minimum of an hour wait. And I'm like, not worth it. Yeah. Not going to do it. I know. I, 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 I love the ride, but you're right. You have to balance how long is a wait versus what you get out of it. And anything over 20 minutes, even though I think it's a beautifully done ride and it's still, I think the animatronics and the projections are amazing, but not amazing enough to stand in line all day. So, oh, well. Yeah, and I take it back. I mean, 20 minutes I would totally wait for, yeah. but it hasn't been. <laughs> I've never seen a 20-minute wait, no, or else I would have yeah, ridden again. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. You're looking at 40 to 60 most of the time, so. No, that was another another good one, fellas. I'll look I'll look forward to uh, part two. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Part two is going to be interesting. I know. I've already uh, I've already got to just start thinking, even though we've got a month to go. I'm, I think I'm going to start on this one now because <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. We'll see. But just for, just a reminder to everyone: next episode we've got Jeremy with the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, David with Stitch's Great Escape. And Logan with Buzz Lightyear's Space Rangers spin. It's going to be fun. What a coincidence that Lightyear comes out on August 3rd on Disney+. Plus. Did either of you guys go see it in the theater? Yep, I did. Oh, you did see it? Yeah, yeah, we loved it. Oh, did you? Good. I've heard great things. We we were going to go see it in the theater because we had some free tickets, and then we just got busy enough where they announced it was coming August 3rd to Disney+, and I was like, well, we can wait another two weeks or whatever. So I'm excited to see it. The only thing I would say to anybody who's going to see it 
if you're going there expecting Toy Story, right, you're going to be heavily disappointed. <laughs> it, is, it is a sci-fi movie. It nice. is not Toy Story at all. I'm excited. All. Good. So, I don't want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> now, is it associated with Toy Story through Buzz Lightyear? Yes. Yeah. But otherwise, nope. All right. That is good info to have. Um, well, David, do you want to you want to wrap us up for uh, this episode? I do, and as always, thank you guys so much for listening to the Theme Park Shuffle. I appreciate you allowing the prodigal son to miss out last month, but welcoming <laughs> me back with open arms this month. Um, I promise to never let you guys down again. <laughs> I'm sorry it's it's not it's not you, it's me. Um, but yeah, as always, it's been a blast. Please, if you haven't, like, subscribe. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, talk to us on Facebook. We love to reach out and talk to you guys back. This has been the part one of the Tomorrowland revamp. We will bring you part two as soon as we can. We look forward to it. So for me, David, and Logan. Adios, amigos. Jer Bear. Peace out. We are out of here, and you guys have a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Tomorrow.